good evening. Welcome, everybody, to the final Buffalo Sabres game of the season. And so I thought that it would be good to do another one of these, you know, watch the game episodes of the Sabermetrics podcast here uh, as the Sabres wrap up the season in Detroit against the Red Wings. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Stimson, and today I am joined by my good friend, Peter Flynn. Peter, how are you? I am doing wonderfully. It's it's kind of weird to watch the game with the sound off. Yes, yes. But, you know, then we don't have to deal with the, you know, <laughs> the, the nonsense that they spew that ultimately will lead to a lot of headaches. So I think that it's, it's, it's a, in some ways it's a blessing. Yes, plus, I mean, also we could, uh, if, if, our, if the listeners want, we could um, kind of do our own audio for all the, uh, the awesome commercials that are going to be shown during the NHL uh, network or whatever, or whatever you call it, NHL TV or whatever. Yeah, Game Center or whatever, yeah. I don't yeah. see a whole lot of them. I just get the uh, commercial break in progress. That's all I see for, like, however long it huh. is. Really? For the whole thing? Because I, I get I – get, I think it's about half and half for me. I'll get about half of the actual commercials, and then I'll get the uh, the commercial break in progress, which is which is wonderful after yeah. seeing what came before. So, yeah. Hmm. hmm. I feel like I'm missing out then. I don't know why my hmm. laptop doesn't do that, but – But um, but anyway, you, you so, are so not Pete's missing here. Out. We're going to, you know, kind of <laughs> – wrap up this uh you know horrendous season for the sabers obviously the red wings have not had a great year um as well so you know i don't know what to expect this could be a lot of fun because uh you know players are just well whatever let's wrap this up it's just the end of the season or we could just see some real real shitty hockey so um what's your feeling going into it give me a gut no analytics no numbers at all what's your prediction for tonight's game pete Oh boy. Um, well, as as uh, Sabres fans are probably, you know, you're probably on the same page. I think neither one of us wants to win tonight because if the Red Wings lose in any fashion, then we are guaranteed fourth last in the league. Whereas if we win, and then if like the Rangers lose, I think there, there's some kind of scenario where if we win, that we could actually drop all the way to sixth last, Ooh. and you know that's that's two slots. So. Um, I am hoping for an exciting game. I I would like to lose in some fashion, uh, <laughs> but, but I but I like I, I like to lose like an eight seven game, you know, like a really fun game. Oh yeah. Um, I I think we're gonna win just because that's gonna hurt. Um, so I will go with four two Detroit. Pete, would you rather win one zero or zero zero just through a shootout, or would you rather lose like eight seven? Oh, oh, like right now, easily the second one. No, I just mean like in general. I mean, obviously everyone wants oh, general, to win, yeah. but I feel like yeah. part of you, you know, like a yeah, that's a good question. I mean, going into the season, Detroit was not supposed to be very good, and it, it turned out that that was true. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, going in, I was hoping for some some development from the young guys, which we certainly got, and I was hoping for exciting hockey and I, I wouldn't say all of our games have been excited exciting but I would say that the, the majority of our games have actually been watchable which is which is good when you have a bad team yeah that's not the case here uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean they were definitely watchable earlier in the year but yeah. um yeah like it's been like I've tuned into a few I haven't watched as many recently but um I've tuned into parts of some and just end up turning it off because it's so so bad to watch at times. <laughs> like it's 
it's a it's a unique brand of hockey that the uh, Sabres have kind of made their their bread and butter for for a while now. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really seem to be um, be good for um, you know getting or maintaining fans. No, no. Well, you know, it's I mean Buffalo's a a, a great market, but um, I I think that people's patience is is wearing thin and justifiably so. I mean they've had uh, this is something I'm actually writing on working on right now for the athletics um you know phil housley jason bottrell they spend an awful lot of time talking about culture and mm. the locker room so i'm kind of working on a piece that basically you know asks the question like what is the sabers culture right now because it doesn't seem to be one that's throughout their organization has a whole lot of accountability uh it doesn't seem that they have a clear plan you know for anything Ooh, um, yeah. and so when they talk about culture like what do they really talk about and and um, you know, I I just I don't have a whole lot of <laughs> impressive things to say about the Sabers' tenure over the last two years. Yeah, um, but uh, but you, you made a really good point about the battle for fourth last because they're they're yes. li- quite literally tied in the standings. Um, wins, losses, overtime results, points. Sabers have the tiebreaker on goal differential, of course, for being the worst team. But um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we're about to get underway here. Um, I guess we'll <clears throat> I'll start us off here, Pete, by just asking you uh, same thing. I kind of ask you know people when we when we do one of these is uh, coming from you know an interest in the analytics, right? An interest in the numbers and different ways to analyze players and teams and the games and all of that. I guess what's kind of your go-to thing to look at while you're watching a Red Wings game? Hmm. That's a good question, and because I've listened to at least two of these, I should have known that that was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> let me think. No, it's a really good question. I think. Just, so you mean like if I'm watching the game lately, like like what am I looking for that's going to kind of indicate is the team playing well, like like that like that type of thing? Well, I mean, it doesn't even have to be that. It just mm. you know like I just from like you know in your personal interest, like what do you. You know, what sorts of things do you look at? Are you looking at, you know, how coaches might use their players in a specific game, right? Because we know that things like competition, zone starts, like things that at the macro level tend to matter less, you know, than than other contextual factors uh, like teammates or something. Like it's always interesting to me to see how, like, coaches can kind of take advantage of a specific matchup in a game or, or situational, you know, decision making or awareness. Um oop, that was an oop. Mm. Oh. We might be on different feeds here, but Sammy Reinhardt just made a really nice play that Eichel almost scored on. But uh, um, uh okay. Oh, the Red Wings come right back. Okay, we're gonna get oh, a yeah, seven that... game I think tonight. This is a good Okay, start. yeah, so I'm a, I'm about I'm I'm probably about eight seconds behind you roughly. Oh, okay. Well that's all right. Yeah. But yeah. no, um, that's okay, yeah. Yeah, but so, so something things like that. Like I'll just look to know it's like, all right, you know, if they've got you know, so the Red Wings have the last change. You know, how is maybe Housley kind of matching his lines? Who's he putting out there? Kind of, um, yeah, <clears throat> things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think especially this, like, like this game. I'm, I'm looking for a couple things. I, oh, here it comes Athanasiu. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, you know, I mean, Athanasiu is is worth the price of admission pretty much by himself. Uh, he's had a tremendous year in terms of growing as a player to be somebody that can be counted on to play pretty much any, anywhere, uh, anytime, as opposed to in the past where he would, 
either score a highlight real goal or possibly do something that was going to hurt the team at the other end. And he's he's kind of come a long way. So I'm definitely yeah, – I, I know this isn't like a stat or anything, but like when I'm watching a Red Wings game, I'm looking to see kind of is he, is he on? You know, is he playing – the way that he can play, which this year has been most games. I can only think of a handful of games where he hasn't been dynamic and entertaining because that's always going to be fun to watch. Um, recently, especially the last few games, Detroit has put together a uh, – basically Jeff Blaschel has done something which which I, I didn't even know he knew how to do, which is to keep a line together for at least a game um, because he has – and I know other other coaches do this too, but he uh, – basically the Detroit fan base refers to it um, as the blender. Mm-hmm. He has a you know a blender behind his bench and he just randomly selects lines – or obviously not, but you know that's, that's how it feels sometimes – when you know lines going really well and they have one bad shift and then it's like oh new line so the the top line that has been playing together of Larkin Mantha and um, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi has been dominant the last five games or so five or six games and I'm I'm interested to see what Blashill does in terms of lines because. You know, I, I don't know if you saw it, but Prashanth wrote an article the other day um, that that basically looked at that line and 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 found that they are they are very good compared to other other top lines. Um, you know, it's not just that they're good for Detroit; like they're good for the league. But then he also found that basically everybody every other line is getting caved. I think it was like forty percent Corsi when they're off the ice. So I mean, they're just getting dominated, and I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on tonight to see. How Blashill uses that line, you know, does he deploy them against the Buffalo top line, or does he try to get them away from, uh, you know, the best best uh, best line on the other team, and are the other lines able to, you know, hold up? I guess because uh, I don't know if you looked at the the players, but. Uh, you know, if you're not a fan of Detroit, if you haven't been watching the team, you're probably wondering who half of our lineup is tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen too many Red Wings games this season. I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's uh, you know, there's only so much time to watch hockey and read about things, and you know, you just kind of had the sense that the Red Wings weren't going to be great this year. So, you know, it's uh, you know, usually in the summer is when you kind of have the time to to dig into. All right, well, what happened last year? How's that going <laughs> to How's that going to inform what we're going to look at or predict for next year? So, right. um, but I think that's that's pretty similar to. Oh, good shot by Eichel. Good save, good save. But uh, um, <clears throat> I think that's pretty similar to what Sabres fans have struggled with all year. Uh, it's you know they have coach who puts oh <laughs> oh there we go a nice play that started from behind the net. Wow, what a shock. Um, but uh, the the Sabres have struggled with that all year. Is that uh, you know Housley will load up a top <laughs> line for a majority of the games and then there's just very little help beforehand or, or, or oh, man. after that so i'm really surprised that i uh, that noted defender dylan McElrath turned the puck over <laughs> behind the net it's uh it's it's really crazy. It, I, i'm only Who's surprised that, it, that uh... uh jake chelios well any relation yeah he's the son of uh the player that played 116 years in the nhl if there you remember go. that graphic yeah he's got um, the love lines right 
<laughs> yeah, just just in case if people are listening and they they don't know what the hell I'm talking about. The other the other night they showed Chris Chelios up in the press box and the the graphic on screen said that he played from like 1894 to uh, <laughs> what is it 2010 or whatever it was. And um, yeah, somebody was like, yeah, 116 years. He had a he had a pretty good run. Um, and of course, yeah, people, yeah, so, people were only slightly confused because they thought, well, I, I think that's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we got we got on defense. We have Dylan McElrath. We have Jake Chelios. And, and I mean, he's you know he he might end up being like an NHL kind of seventh defenseman. Like he's 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 not going to be the same as his father. Yeah. But um. Oh, almost. Then we also have have Luke Lukowski playing, which is good for you. Um. I mean, it, it's good for it's good for Buffalo, except for possibly some of their players' faces if he decides to. To start a fight. Spaces. Yeah, because I mean, that's pretty much what he's good at. He's punching people in the face. So, uh, for you know, two years in a row, we had Steve Ah on the team who couldn't really play hockey anymore and he couldn't really fight. So I don't know. Hey, really that's former what... Sabres captain Steve Ah you're talking about. Wow. I, I'd forgotten that. Yep. That oh was my the, God. Uh, was that the Ryan Miller deal, I want to say? Mm. I think it was. Was that 2011, maybe? Yeah, well, once I realized that he looks like Alan Tudyk, I couldn't get it out of my head. Alan Tudyk, nice. Yeah, he looks just it's 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 uncanny. Um, but yeah, yeah, Luke Wachowski, they uh they the the announcers for Detroit like to say that he can play both forward and defense. Hmm. When which I always add to, yeah, but not well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could, yeah. but like so so can I on my beer league team. It doesn't mean they want me to play both. Yeah, I mean, I, I can sing opera and death metal, but you wouldn't want to buy either album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, see. I got about 14.39 left on the clock. Sabres are up one nothing, uh, which is not good because, you know. like Oh, we, it's great. Like we talked about the outset. I mean, you know, those at this point of the year, like why not get the few extra percentage points in the lottery because, hey, you know, you don't have to necessarily move up to one. You know, you could just move up to two based on what everyone's saying about, you know, uh, Hughes or, or – Taco out there, so um, I, I know zilch about prospects. I don't bother looking at it because it's just I don't know. I feel like even um, you know, even like just looking at some sort of basic age and league adjusted points would probably wipe the floor with most scouts and teams draft you know uh, yeah. pundits or whatever. So it's uh it, it's so much nonsense when it comes to draft season. It's probably the most overhyped thing in sports is draft analysis. Yeah, I, I don't really follow it too much. I, I, I usually follow it once it gets close, especially these last couple of years with Detroit being in a position to get, uh, you know, get get it, hopefully a top-notch player uh, like Philip Sedina last year. <laughs> I think one thing I think is interesting about, about like, draft, like, uh, punditry, I guess, if you will, <clears throat> is I see people, like, on Twitter and, like, in our comment section at Winging at Motown uh, who are like, oh, you know, the best thing to do would be to get to draft second because then you don't have to worry about making the wrong choice. It's like, yeah, but you don't get the choice of the of what you think is the best player. Like maybe you should, you know, have faith in your scouting and your uh, ability to evaluate talent that you can make the correct choice. You know, it's like, hey, we we know which one of these guys is better. Ah, oh, too bad he's already taken. That sucks. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, like it's like that comes off to me saying like you don't have confidence to make the decision, so you just want someone else to make it for you. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, oh, just man. get a post. Eichel I think. Is, yeah, Eichel is playing pretty amazingly tonight. Uh, 
Well, you know, he's like, and that's the thing about like, like teams that that lose like this mm-hmm. continuously. They just they find they find eventually find a way to. And now we're, we're at a commercial break. I think your first yeah. one. I think since they started playing, um, they find a way to just like eat their own, right? And, and when they when they do that, fans they they come for the the highest paid players. They come for the best players. Yeah. And. I don't know. To me, it's just it's so incredibly frustrating because it's like, where do you think they'd be without these guys, right? I right. Mean, yeah. Like you guys remember the tank year to get these players, right? That's yeah. what it looked like when you didn't have anybody at all. And I, I mean, it's I don't know. It just seems like a lot of misplaced anger and criticism, and it's not just fans. Either. Like a lot of beat writers and media members do that too, right? Because they yes, you know, and I think that's like those folks are. You know, it's it's just like inexcusable. Like if you can't, if you're not going to analyze the team with like a shred of, you know, intellect or decency, and like, well, no, like I don't think Eichel's not the problem, right? Like last year, Ryan O'Reilly wasn't the problem, right? It's it's much go, it goes much far beyond that. And like, do you see yeah. that? Like, do Detroit writers do that with certain players? Or oh yeah, um, especially there's a there's a writer for the Detroit Free Press, uh, Helene St. James, and oh, yeah, okay. She basically hated Gustav Nyquist. Um, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think it's hard to. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of weird, like, what do they both have in common? I don't know. Um, <laughs> like, she would always write about how Nyquist would score his goals after the Red Wings were eliminated from the playoffs. Which, I mean, I guess you could kind of make, you know, make some type of a case or whatever, but. It, like, like, it's not like he wasn't trying earlier. It just that's just the way it worked out. Right. Um, and you know now he's doing pretty well on San Jose. So um, yeah, definitely. I think the other the other thing too is um, Anthony Mantha. A lot of fans get on Mantha because he's so big that he doesn't have to, you know, pump his legs like Athanasi or Larkin to to go pretty fast and to you know move pretty far. Like he he's he's a winger, so he's gliding a lot. But that's that's what he's supposed to do, you know, and. I mean, like, like he does have the ability to, to I, I wouldn't say take over a game, but there's been games where he kind of like hulks out and just dominates a period, you know? <laughs> um, no, yeah, he's, I, I remember like, because he's been in the league, what, four years now? Something like that. That's, 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 yeah, that, that's right. But maybe, maybe like year, full yeah. time, only like two or something, right? Because he was up and down for a little while, right? He's, well, because what happened is uh, he, <laughs> He broke his leg in the preseason. Okay. Uh, the first year that I think he had a real chance at, at making the team out of camp, and that was—I don't—I don't, I don't want to say it was a lost season for him, but he—he he, he really, pretty much, almost lost a full season of development. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, he—he's—I I don't know. I, I've always liked him. I, I think I think the a lot of the criticism that he gets is is not really warranted. Although there there are times where. You know, he he does make plays where I'm just like, what the hell was he thinking? You know, it does sure. like, it, you know, it, it looks lazy, which is kind of what uh, some people kind of try to paint him, paint him as. Um, but I, I wouldn't go that far. I'm just saying it, it could kind of come off that way, like, you know, kind of lackadaisical, um, like you know, like a behind the back pass that he's not looking and then it gets intercepted, things like that. So. Yeah, but you know, you're gonna you're gonna just gonna have to kind of accept that with certain players, you know. Might try to be more creative. Might try to, you know, just demand the puck more. Try different things, and because yeah. a lot of it, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a game there too, right? When he, 
you know, if if players are certainly aware of what people say about them, so if you know, intelligent players, I think, will use that to their advantage, right? So if if a player's hearing, you know, people are writing about, oh, he, you know, he's just a glides, kind of lazy, you know, well, he knows that other players might hear about that too, right? So mm-hmm. maybe it makes it into the way of their, you know, their their scouting meeting before a game, and then you know, you can kind of your first couple shifts, maybe you kind of glide or appear lazy, but then you can maybe catch them, you know, not respecting your your potential speed or or even your ability to to think about the game as fast as well. So I think all yeah. sorts of stuff like that makes it into, you know, can be used to, to player advantages, you know, kind of at that micro level um, on a shift-by-shift basis. Hmm. Yeah, and also he, um, he he's broken his hand on a helmet fighting twice now. Oh, well, that's just stupid as hell. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was trying to think of, like, a time I've heard it happening to somebody else once. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, really, was it the same man? Uh, I, I think so. Mm. But yeah, so he missed he missed a bunch of games this season for doing that. Um, and actually, the last time he broke his hand on Luke Wachowski's helmet when he was playing for I think Tampa Bay. And then the next year we signed Wachowski, and I was like, well, at least he won't break his hand on a helmet. And then he did uh, the next season. So yeah, see, if I'm the owner, or GM, or whatever, I'm like suspending that player and taking, <laughs> trying to take away some of his money. It's like I'm not paying you to do that shit, right? You're here <laughs> to help us win on the scoreboard, not winning the goon bin, you know. So, but I'm um, sorry, we got like 11:30 left. Pete, I want to uh, give you the floor here to talk a little bit about um, some some work you've been doing on the Red Wings power play this season, which has been uh, an absolutely fantastic series. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed a lot of the things. You've been doing the time you've been putting into it, and I'm sure the uh, the readers over at Wingin' and Motown have as well. Um, and uh, cause I think, oh, I thought I saw a referee's arm raised, but uh, I guess uh, it was just delayed offsides or something. But uh, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so talk a little bit about, I guess maybe the idea, like why you wanted to start looking at it, some of the things you're doing, and and uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I think I figured that. Um... I wanted to do something where, like, like I, I wanted a reason to be writing on a regular basis, um, which, I, to be honest, I kind of reevaluated that decision about four weeks into it. But I wanted to have some type of a, you know, give myself a reason to be doing uh, an article, at least, at least a, like an analytical type article every week. Oh, uh, uh, look like Buffalo is going to go to a power play, but uh, I guess I wasn't called. Um, <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> and so I, I had read some of the stuff that Prashanth had done for us, and then also uh, for for the t- the period of time he was writing for the Athletic, he was doing some some power play stuff. And I just I, I thought it would be like an interesting thing to look at because I felt like you know I I never played hockey growing up. I never played well. I never played ice hockey. I played roller hockey, um, which is obviously not the same, but it's you know similar in some ways. But I never played on like a real organized team with like systems and things like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, you know, I, I played in leagues and stuff, but it was more, you know, kind of like, you know, it wasn't like you have a coach or whatever. Anyway. Um, so I, I, I had always been interested because I felt like I knew a lot about hockey because I've been watching since let's say, I don't know, 30 years. I've been watching for like 30 years or something like that. And, but, but, but I felt like there's a lot that I don't know. And so, I thought that it would be it would be interesting to you know to focus on one aspect. Oh, here we go. We have power play coming up here. I think Thank for us. Oh, is it? Uh, okay. I thought so. Um, could be wrong, but we'll find out when we come back from commercial. 
We'll see. Yeah. The um, so, so like I said, I wanted to do um, I wanted to do something where I would be able to write, but then also I wanted to do something that was going to kind of force me to learn. Uh, you know, things. So it's not just going to be the same thing every week. And basically what I ended up doing was I, I tracked a couple uh, metrics as we went uh, time on ice uh, goals, goals for uh, per 60. I, for, for those, I just focused on five, uh, five on four. Um, and then uh, uh, Fenwick four uh, per 60 uh, for, for five V4. And um, in the beginning, I kind of had like a chart and, and I was like, ah, this isn't really good. Um, and then I eventually, uh, learned more, uh, more R coding and I was able to make it look a lot better visually. Um, and so every, every week of the season, it would be, you know, did they, did they improve in this metric? Did they, did they go down? And then how, how did how did they either improve or or decline based on the rest of the league? Like for example, if you look at the uh, if you look at the series, like Detroit, uh, their time on ice per game played on at five v four was low almost the entire season. Um, and I, I always wanted to try to really see if I could figure out why. Try to see is it that they are not creating enough chances that would cause the other team to be forced to take a penalty, uh, you know, maybe sustain zone time, something like that. And I, I never, I, at least thus far, I haven't had the time to really focus on that to try to figure out why. Um, and then I, I, every, every article would have something to do with either shot locations or, you know, for that week, or um, I, I ended up doing so with face-offs, you know, to kind of see how they were doing in face-offs from each of the different face-off dots, et cetera. Um, and then uh, at the end, the by far the most time-consuming part was I would do uh, I would I would basically go back and rewatch all of the power play shifts, and I would write down or not write down I would um, well take notes, but then I would also find uh, gifs uh, to put in the article, and I would probably have about on average about ten, and. Because the Red Wings didn't have a ton of power play opportunities, some weeks were easier than others. But I mean, it took it took a few hours to put that together. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's usually because when you go finding like you have the the evidence, you have like yeah. the the data that you can use to you know infer or you know make determinations on things. But then finding video evidence, um, you know, is always you know a time intensive uh, uh, endeavor. But right. Uh, so the Sabers on the power play, and obviously. You know, you're pretty familiar for looking at this. So the Sabres, you know, are running a you know, pretty typical drop pass entry against the the Red Wings. Um, you know, looked like a one three when I happened to look at it the the second time there. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the zone entry that just happened it looked like they were in a one three. Mm-hmm. Uh, four check, yeah. <clears throat> oh, nothing you can do about that. Sometimes talent trumps any sort of system. So. <laughs> That was a wicked good shot by little-known defenseman Rasmus Dahlin, uh, yeah. playing in his first season here. But, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think I heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, it's interesting, uh, and like this is why maybe you can. Um, well, not maybe. I'm going to ask you, so you better have okay. an answer. But uh, Ooh, I'll make so one up. Th- this idea, like this debate that people have on using like forwards or, or defensemen, like number forwards and number defensemen on the power play, like it seems like pretty reductive in that like 
it's like obviously on average, like forwards tend to score a little bit more. Like they tend to have a little bit more shooting talent than than defensemen, right? But mm-hmm. um, you know, you're only you're not looking at like all of them. Like you're only oh that was a nice playoff face off. Yeah, oh almost <laughs> almost got one back. But um, you know, so like you're only looking at like a team's like top one or two usually. And so like I guess how much of it how much does that actually matter? Like position matter on something as as different quite different of a game as special teams in your opinion. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, I know a lot of the research, at least the stuff I've read, has has shown that the that that having four forwards, you know, f- four forwards, one defenseman, as opposed to three and two, is you know typically will produce better results. Um, I know the uh, you know at least the the stuff I'm thinking of. I remember uh, you know they show you know they looked at you know what. Uh, <clears throat> The, the the negative aspect of it, you know, if you're putting uh, only you know one defenseman on the ice instead of two, obviously forwards can play defense, of course, but um, you know, is, is that going to lead to like, are you going to give up more goals than you score? Uh, or you know, give up? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are you going to give up more right, on the other I, I, than, yeah, than you gain saying. than you gain on offense? And oh, listen, is this a power play? Yeah, looks maybe. Like you're oh, yeah. Now this is gonna be interesting because I've been I've been under the weather so I haven't really gotten to see uh, the last few games. Um, I, I think I've gotten to see a little, bit, but I haven't really gotten to watch. And so I have absolutely no idea what our our power play units look like because of <laughs> how how you know terribly uh, decimated our team is by injury. But oh looks great, like it, looks like it was a penalty on Jeff Skinner in what's likely his last game as a Saber. So ah uh, and and yeah, it, like, this is so frustrating because. Philip Perona came in and showed that he was definitely the defender that should be on the top power play unit. And then for some reason, a couple games ago, they changed it back where they put Nick Cronwall up top on the power on the on the number one unit. And I don't understand it. But okay, whatever. I I, <laughs> I can't control it. I can just complain about it, uh, <laughs> which is just as fun. That's so funny. yeah. Well, it's like on um, the position thing. Like, like I remember, yeah. like you know, like uh, you know, Matt's oh, yeah, I got to work on it. You know, like a couple other people have. Like, the thing that that sticks with me though. Oh, they getting two? Well, they're going to five three. You better score now. Oh boy. But uh, like the thing that 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 always kind of irked me about that is because like so you see like your first unit start in the offensive zone maybe with four forwards, right? Yeah. And then. You know, let's say they get a minute or whatever, they go back, and then they, you know, the other team changes between like that 60 to 90 second mark, and then um, Red Wings. See, see, I'm gonna interrupt myself here, but like, yeah. like Red Wings, you know, two players down below the blow, down below the goal line with five on three. It's like, you know, it's nice to see that. I just wish teams would do that more at five on four. How, yeah. how often were they doing that this year? Um, well, that's that's definitely something I looked at after, um, you know, kind of listening to you and, and reading reading your writing, um, because I could see I could see a noticeable difference when you would put even just one player below the goal line, like like this year uh, he's not playing tonight because he's been hurt. Um, Thomas Vanek, he, he, basically all of his uh, productivity for the team has been helping the power play. Um, at at, 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 a, at basically a great cost at the other end uh, in terms of sure, every yeah. other aspect of the game, <laughs> but um, you know he he was like a wizard at 
like, 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 like you wouldn't think Thomas Vanek net front player, but because it's not a stand in front of the net, you know, get cross checked in the back and then deflect a puck in. I mean, that, that could be part of it, but kind of the quote unquote net front player has become more of like a, like a roving player, like a sliding out to the side, et cetera. Yep. And he is so good at sliding out and making kind of like that one time pass from the side of the net and then kind of sliding behind the net. And, 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 and I was able to see just how effective that was. And then when they would go two players behind the net or below the goal line, I guess, that w- that would be incredibly. Go. Oh yay! <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm about nine seconds behind. So yeah, no, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, wait on. Uh, there we go. There he is, Mantha. Yeah, there's your boy. Yeah. So, um, because like the thing I like about that is when, like when that happens, you know, just you know, just a little while ago, you saw there was Larkin and somebody else. I forget who the other player was behind. You know, below the goal line. And because it, it causes the defenseman to have to turn, and right, right. yeah, and so they're basically playing with their back to the blue line, and then the puck comes out in front, and they have to completely turn their entire body, and they can't really do it. And th- like that's why I don't understand why they don't do it more because like it seems so effective, and then they'll do it for like twenty seconds, they get a really good scoring chance, and then they never do it again for the rest of the night. Like I like I, I don't understand that part of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's just been a constant source of frustration for me. Um, but uh, I mean, it's good at least, you know. Like, I, I think that's kind of the, the way to maybe kind of baby step it right mm-hmm. into the league is like if everyone does that at five on three, then it's only a matter of time before somebody starts doing something else like that at yeah. five on four. Um, at least, at least much more regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know. I mean, not even does that. Not everyone even does that at five on three. Like it's good Detroit does that, but yeah, like the Sabers flip it right. So instead of two players down low, they go two up top and then kind of three across around the goal line, and it becomes much more about just looking for that, you know, cross crease pass right in front of the goal rather than anything right. like that. Which is you know that's pretty tough to pull off even with mm-hmm. just against three defenders. But um, but uh, but yeah, but good. Thank you for at least providing some perspective that another team has some sort of intelligence running their five on three. Um, but I want to go back to my real quick about positions yeah. while we're in a commercial yeah. break here. Um, yeah, I realized I never actually answered it. No, that's okay. It's just uh, <laughs> it, it's like <clears throat> so your first unit right four forwards one defense. Let's say right you start yeah. in the offensive zone. Like your that that I think that's fairly common for most of the league, right? Is, I think so. Is, is using that four forward one D look with their first unit. Your second unit is it might still be a four forward one D, but it's typically going to be your your second unit, so it's not your best players, and they're coming over the boards. Which, to your point, mentioning Prashant earlier at this podcast, you know he looked at just kind of your shift start, how much that impacts you know your defensive metrics. Obviously, the opposite side of that is if you start coming over the boards, it's going to impact your offensive metrics. So any sort of analysis that strictly looks at it by position, I think you end up doing really – you're not necessarily comparing positions on the power play. You're kind of just sort of indirectly comparing first and second units. And so I think most folks would be like, oh, well, of course the first unit is going to score more than the second because those are the better players, right? And so I, I think that there's a lot of um, questions in that kind of analysis that might be not – as clear to you know that lead to the conclusion. I think the conclusions are um, 
there's a little bit going on in that kind of analysis that I think is coloring what the conclusions are, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, when I when I think about it, like like if I was going to be coaching an NHL team or, or any team, and I'm trying to figure out who I want to put on the power play, like I think rather than look at it by position, I think I'm looking at it more what are the type of skills that I really want them to have and which players can do that? Like, for example, there was um, uh, earlier in the season uh, before Mike Green ended up being out for the season again, um, they would have, they had Mike Green on the, the top line or the top power play unit. And then on the second unit, they had Cronwall, but then they also had Philip Ronick who is a defenseman, but they were playing him kind of like on the half boards in what would traditionally be, you know, a forward if we're talking about the four, four and one. Mm-hmm. And I think he had, like, like you could tell the first game or two, he wasn't used to it and he didn't kind of know what he was supposed to do. Like you could tell like the breakouts weren't, weren't the same because he was kind of in the wrong position, etc. But then once he figured it out, like he was pretty effective from that position because He's able to get the puck. He has really good vision. He's able to move the puck really quickly. And, you know, that's that's something that you want from that player there. And so I think – like, I don't really think it matters if they're a forward or a defenseman as long as they can do what you need them to do. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree. Uh, I'll give a boring answer and say I'm not going to improve that answer, so I'm not going to add to it. Uh, <laughs> like, it's just – it's 100% right. I mean, you're looking at someone to do a job essentially, right? Like, hey yeah. – I don't need you to touch the puck really in the offensive zone, but you are our best player in transition. So you just basically need to start over here on a wall, pick a side, and then turn around and get the puck around this area and then just get us in the zone and then let everyone else kind of do the work and you can kind of, you know, be either the net front player or the slot player to kind of act as, you know, like that release safety valve and just everybody Mm -hmm. else is kind of going to go to work. And, yeah, that was a hell of a save. So uh, (laughs) Yeah. Would have been nice for Iposo. He's a, uh, he's he's. Oh yeah, you know, I, I always liked him. After his his uh his really scary health stuff that happened in the last over the last like year or two, and um, you know it's unfortunate he hasn't been able to come back and be a, a solid player because you know it's unfortunate but when you analyze teams and value, it just comes back to like you know, contract value, right? I mean at the right. end of the day, how much are we paying for the player? What are we getting from it? And so he's someone that, um, you know it's it's, it's tough. It's, it's it's very tough. I, like I wish that more players and I, I'm not I'm not a huge CBA expert. I'm not gonna lie about that. Like so I don't even know if this is agreeable. Like I know you can like players and agents in teams they can terminate contracts. Like they put players on buyouts for terminating their contract. Yeah. So I I know both parties have to agree to that. But I wonder, you know, what? Why isn't there an option? Maybe there is. Just nobody ever does it. But like. Like in the NFL, like players renegotiate, restructure contracts all the time, right? So, like, wouldn't it be great if in the next, uh, like, CBA they kind of had that flexibility? Players might not like it because, you know, obviously in a player like Exposo situation, it's like, well, they obviously want me to restructure because I'm not performing, but I want that money. Having guaranteed contracts is great, but then at the same time, you know, it also lead to maybe more player power, Right. You know, like, because then you have, like, kind of legit holdouts where you kind of have, like, well, no, I'm only getting paid six million a year, you know, but I'm worth maybe ten, 
So I want to get paid my value. So I, I think, I don't know, I, I think it would <clears throat> give teams a little bit more flexibility. Um, you know, you don't have to take away any of the guarantees. Like, your contract's still guaranteed. Like, you would still need both parties to agree to it. But, uh, I don't know. What, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think of as you were talking was Connor McDavid. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to – like, basically the last couple of years – I have um, been really working hard to try to figure out a way to smuggle Josh Hosang out of New York or Bridgeport um, and, and, and bring him to Detroit, kind of like the, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they just released the, uh, the Russian Five documentary, um, you know, so kind of how we, we got some of those players. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Wait, the document, what's the name of it? it uh, it's, it's the Russian Five. Oh, I think it's, I've seen that advertised on on Amazon. Like it comes up. Like you're talking about the book, oh, or do they do it as a well, film? There, there's a book and there's a documentary. Okay. Um, and the documentary, it's uh, it it did like the the festival circuit. Um, I think earlier this year or like a year ago, and then now it's available. You can see it in the theaters or, around the Detroit area. Um, now, and how, then Oh, sorry. Few, go ahead. You no, know, that's okay. In, in a few months, I believe it should be available on like streaming services or to buy or something like that. Now, how different is that? Like, do you know, like from uh, what was it, Red Army that came out a couple, like four or five years ago? Yeah, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Oh, um, oh, really? Okay. No, I I read the, oh, the 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 Russian Five one. I haven't seen it. I read the book, um, and on our podcast we actually interviewed the author of the book. Did you really? Um, oh, I'll have to go yep. back and find that one. Yeah, it's uh, probably a couple months ago. Yeah. It, it was it was really interesting, and um, I, I'm I'm well, I'll admit I'm terrible with keeping up with podcasts because it's just you know oh, it, there's it, so it, many it, of them. As soon as you fall behind on one, it's like ugh, I'm yeah. never gonna, you know, and I've just you know, uh, well, you know, there's there's a there's a flaw I admit a character flaw. I'm terrible at keeping up on podcasts, so. Oh well, I mean, I I I, I feel you because I mean, I, <laughs> I I don't I don't just listen to hockey podcasts either. I listen, to, you know, there's a handful of hockey podcasts I try to listen to on a regular basis. But then I also, you know, I listen to comedy podcasts and and other ones, and so it can be it can be really hard. I, I think it's pr- probably impossible to keep you know really keep up the way I'd like to. <laughs> Anyways, That's... what the hell were we talking about? Oh, you were talking um, about the documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, uh, but the um, the Did author you see of the, the Red book, Army film though when it came out, I uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, it was I like mean, I would be interested time, in seeing it. Yeah, it was like around the same time as like a thirty for thirty on um, the Miracle on Ice from I think the Russian perspective. Oh, okay, because they came out rel- pretty close. Yeah. Um, and we're just reaching the end of the first period here. Sabres are up two one. Unfortunately, uh, I'm about to. <laughs> You know, if this holds, they would drop a couple percentage points is to jump into the top two. Um, but yeah, but that's a good one. But yeah, I'll go back and find that episode. Uh, oh, and just in case people don't know, what's the name of your podcast? Oh, it's uh, it's for sure a 200 foot podcast. <laughs> but sure. if you if, if if you go on to uh, like your podcast app, you have to search for Winging It in Motown because basically uh, we have a Red Wings podcast and then we have the one that Jay and I uh, Jay and I do that's about the NHL and we have uh, guests every episode um, and that like basically it's it's un, it's 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 the same feed. Uh, so if you just search for for sure, you're not going to find it in terms of like in your podcast apps or whatever. There you go. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at intermission. So I'm going to pull up the um, – what do we got here? 
Oh, maybe not. I'm trying. I'm on the evolving hockey site to see what the expected goals were in that period. I think Buffalo carried the play early, then Detroit came back, and then obviously both power plays did a little bit of work. So my gut, my eye test, is going to tell me it was fairly even, maybe with a slight edge to the Sabres based on the the early part of the game. But I'm trying to pull it up right now, and it's struggling to work. So what's your Mm -hmm. guess? Yeah, I think... I, I think the Sabers definitely had the better chances overall, so I would I would say that's I, w- I would be very surprised if that wasn't the case. All right, it looks like um, hang on, even strength isn't up to date yet. Let's everyone go yell at the Twins. Well, this is all yeah. situations. Uh, yep, Sabers with a slight edge, fifty-seven percent to forty-three. It's through like looks like eighteen minutes or so, so maybe that's updating, but. Uh, yeah, nothing on the even strength. Yeah, we'll probably get that in a little bit through intermission here. But, um, yeah. All right, let's get a look at that. Our eye test is pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I went over a natural stat trick, and I looked at the uh, the uh, the game flow, and yeah. it is uh, pretty, pretty heavily favored to uh, Buffalo. Right now it's uh, plus 16 to Buffalo, which is, again, not really surprising. At, that many, uh, five, really? Five. Yeah. I guess when I'm watching it and like, you know, like there was a moment early in the game, I remember like Evan Rodriguez kind of skates in and it's like a 3v3 situation. Uh, you know, the guy, he doesn't really have a whole lot of space to go, but it's like rather than cut back or just skate around behind the net, you know, he fires like that, you know, shot from like the left wall You could, that'll probably go in once every 200 times you shoot from there. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, all right. I just kind of like... I don't know. I don't even like. It doesn't even like register as a shot in my mind. It just registers as like a real shitty decision. And <laughs> so I, I count that as it's a like negative, a like a not, bad pass. Yeah, it's it's like it's like I get it. Like you know, all right, I got no play here. Maybe I'll get a rebound. But I mean, mm. maybe. But, but I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to know like from that location. You know, like what's a chance like a rebound is generated? Because I feel like. You know, as you move to the center of the ice, obviously we know that increases your chance of scoring, but I wonder if how that relates to, like, rebound creation, right? So if you shoot from a corner angle, is it easier for a goalie to kind of swallow or absorb that puck or direct it where he wants to go, or is that easier straight on, right? I'm not a goalie. I never played goal. Um, but I don't know. That's an interesting question. Well, just go on uh, Money Puck and download the data and – yeah, they, they they have all that stuff, so you could probably figure it out. That's right. Yeah, yeah, we probably could. I just gotta have, I just gotta find the time to do it now. Maybe, maybe a <laughs> listener will just be like, yeah, I'm gonna go do this. So yeah, so go to Money Puck, like Pete said, yeah. yep. download the data because that has the coordinates and everything, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, like they have so much stuff in there. Yeah. So you just uh, that's great. They just make that available. That's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> that's when you know like they're 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 good people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're same thing with the evolving wild stuff. Like I figured out. Um, the uh play-by-play query yeah i love that like i i actually i use that a lot for the weekly power play article because i can just get the 5v4 um shots misses and blocks and then i just uh throw it into r and you know the the code i have set up and boom just run it and it just outputs and it's it's beautiful it's wonderful that's just that's such a nice thing about it like once you have it all set up that's all it is just all right let me just Get the new file and then read it in and boom, and it's done. Oh yeah, yeah. I think um, 
I was actually working on I was working on something that I never ended up actually doing anything with. I was looking at like um I think I was using Corsica. I was, I was looking at like like goals above replacement uh you know uh, per cap hit basically. Yeah. Um and you know obviously I know that if you were going to do like a thorough analysis you'd have to do more. But um that's weird. Oh sorry. I just had a like an alert come up and and I wasn't wasn't used to the sound. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> You know, so so I know like if you were gonna do like a thorough analysis, you'd have to, um, you know, do do more, more than what I was just basically doing. But it was it was interesting. Cause I was basically reading in like three different databases. One was from Cap Friendly, one was from Corsica, and I think there was an Evolving Wild one too. Because I wanted to, I wanted to look at the difference between Corsica and the the EW uh, the 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 Gar model and see see how different it was. And um, like I said, I never ended up actually doing anything with it, but like. It was definitely a good learning experience because I was forced to uh, use the uh, you know the string the string functions which are really annoying. Uh, oh to, yeah. Because the Corsica is all uppercase with a with a period between the names, and so is the Evolving Wild one. But then some of the names are different. Like Corsica will have the, like a, a guy's name, and then one like, like one of them will have like kind of more of like a nickname for him yep. uh, for the first name or something like that. And then um, Cat Friendly is is not all caps and and no period in between so yeah uh but it, like i said it was a good good learning experience and i definitely will probably use that code for something down the road so hey, i'm glad i did it but yeah yeah it's always yeah. there it's easy to pick up right it's not like opening yeah. an excel workbook six months later and going what the hell was i doing here <laughs> yeah pretty much you gotta like click on all the cells all right what what goes here like you know it's uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's a nightmare so yeah so if you're, you know, for folks interested in getting into, you know, want to maybe start doing some hockey analysis, uh, kind of join the community a little bit, like what's something you could do? Um, mm. You know, it definitely helps to, you know, we've talked about Evolving Wild, we talked about Money Puck, you know, the now, you know, Corsica used to do this, obviously, but, uh, you know, several sites make data available to download and, you know, just there's different tools and programs to use to make things. Obviously, some make your lives easier than others, but uh, um, you know, just just start doing it. I mean, you you just started learning R this season, right? Yeah, because I'm uh, I'm I'm in the the Hockey Graphs mentorship program. There we go. And um, I know I I don't think I can say publicly who my mentor is, at least not at this point. Um, <laughs> but the it's 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 a very 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 high level person, like somebody who's really an expert and <coughs> excuse me sorry um basically that's the first thing that he said is like you know like i told him what i wanted to do like like basically my my long-term goal was to be able to present something at the the rochester conference in the in the fall and i you know i had a couple ideas of things that i was interested in um and basically he said okay yeah the first thing is you really need to learn r you need to um well, you know, basically he said R or Python, but he said he, you know, since I didn't really have a preference and he, he uses R mostly that he said I should, should start with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend the, the data camp courses. I think that was, that was a re that was really helpful. Um, cause first I was reading the R for data science book, which, which is also very helpful. But I think for me, I think the interactive nature of the data camp courses is really, really helpful. I really, I don't know, like, like for me, that's the way I learned the best, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm going to echo that as well. Like, I, you know, I started doing data camp like a couple years ago and then just kind of like got busy with life and stuff and kind of yeah. had to 
Go ahead, like start. I just started over, kind of at the beginning, um, the beginning of this season as well, just like you did. And um, they're just—it's so helpful because, like, I don't know how many times you like, you know, you're reading something or you're watching someone present on something. It's like, oh, I just want to try this out, you know, because like I have a question on this, and it's especially like in a book. I mean, obviously books are great, but you know, if it doesn't answer something completely, you know, it's like I just need to see this, right? I'm not kind of grasping part of this. I need to see this and be able to interact with this, and so that's why. Data Camp is just phenomenal. Um, you know, I know that they run kind of specials now every now and then. So, I mean, not as often as the Athletic, of course, but uh, um, you know, they're it's a very, very good, good program to to, to sign up for if you're if you're yeah. serious about it or just even you know want to kind of get into it and use it and have the time to stay on top of it. So, yeah, and I would say also um, uh, seek out Evan Oppenheimer's. Uh, I think three, it's either three or four. Uh, posts on on Medium, where he, <clears throat> I, I I guess you could say like he really focuses on on the things that you need to know to do hockey analysis. Um, th- those are definitely really really helpful. Um, and if for people listening, I, I definitely would recommend, you know, not just R, but like like Tidyverse. Like Tidyverse is incredibly helpful. Um, like you know, I've looked at kind of like basic R for how to do some of this stuff, and it's like the tidyverse is so much easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think like, like like once you realize how to use like the pipe operator, that <laughs> like for me I was like, oh, okay, you know this is this is fantastic. I I, I it's so much easier now because it's like pipe mutate pipe summarize pipe. Yeah. You you know, keep, I'm like yeah. You don't have exactly. to keep storing it in different objects and then just re- referencing those or anything. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I, I thought it was really funny where um you know because like I mentioned I'm 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 part of the mentorship program which I think is is fantastic and I think anybody who's interested should apply, um, but in addition I mean everybody is so helpful like I probably twice a week I, I maybe not so much lately but for a while like twice a week I was I was DMing with the the evolving wild twins um or you know texting Prashanth or uh like like uh especially when I was first starting off like Matt Barlow was really really helpful um because I was going through some of his tutorials and so I was like well let me just reach out and you know I I had interviewed him uh and CG Turturro for the the podcast at RIT last year yep. and so you know I I knew him and stuff but um it was it was really helpful to be able to ask those people uh like i remember i i, I sent the ew twins um i was like hey here's something i'm trying to do and i sent them like a little bit of code uh and i was like you know here's what i'm trying to do here's what i got right now and i'm stuck on this one part and then it was like five minutes later they sent me back like a new version that worked <laughs> and i was like oh and i was like now let me see how they did that yeah i'm um, like 99 times out of 100 like it's you know you're you got a parenthesis or a comma in the wrong place, and it's like you can't look at it. You know, you like don't see it, and it's like, well, where the hell? You know, what's going on? And then you're staring at it, and you convince yourself it's like, no, computer, it is you who yeah. are wrong. Like I know what <laughs> I'm doing. This looks perfect. How could it possibly be wrong? So, oh my God, you, you know what? What I I learned is my 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 Achilles heel. Um, and now, actually, once I've learned it, I've I've had this this be an error like enough times that I've I've learned to double check for it every time. Is I'll I'll do something and I will um li- li- like I'll make a variable name like let's say like position or something like that and 
the variable will be all lowercase, and then when I put it into like a GG plot thing, I will have a capital P. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because I'm looking, I'm like, what's wrong? Like it's perfect, and I'm like, oh, that's that's the problem. Yep. Uh, but but like I said, it's happened enough that now I know. Oh wait, there's a GG plot problem. Okay, let me check capitalization because that's probably what I did wrong. Yeah. Let me see if I screwed up my letters again. Yeah. So okay, so you want to um, present something in RIT, so. You know, I happen to know the people that run that, so I can put in a good <laughs> word for you. Um, I hear they're doing it September 14th this year. I guess what, yeah. uh, like, well, now that you've been working with R all year, you've been doing a lot of the work on, you know, power plays and other things. I know you mentioned, you know, the the cap hit, you know, by uh, goals above replacement value, and I guess what are some of the things that you know we might see uh, come through when it's time for abstract submissions. That is a really good question. Um, the the thing that I started off with that I think I still might want to do is <coughs> excuse me. I've always been interested in the idea of player value, like we talked about before, um, and I, I really think that having you know the the war metrics or the gar metrics is you know I, I don't know if you call it like a step forward, but it's like you know, before, like, you would just look for, like, points. And that's not going to be helpful at evo evaluating how effective or how productive a player is for you. Obviously, it's going to help you in terms of, you know, are they producing points? But there's other ways, you know, like, are they preventing points from being scored by the other team? That's pretty helpful. Um, so last summer, I think I it was, is I, I had read this article um, I, I I really wish I remember who wrote it because I would obviously give them credit. And basically, it was like a like a pretty simple way to uh, measure uh, productivity. Use you know uh, based on how much they're being paid. Uh, and I like like I made that that was actually like my first kind of Tableau thing where I was I was working on it. And I I figured out how to do a whole bunch of stuff with Tableau that that I I don't really use anymore. But like it was it was it was good at the time. And like, like that kind of got me thinking about a way to do it better. Like I, I really am interested in trying to figure out like how much, how much value are players giving the team based on what they're being paid and, you know, things like, uh, you know, inefficiencies, market efficiencies. Um, but like kind of like the overarching thing I was looking at is like trying to figure out like evaluating GMs, and I guess like you're really kind of it's not just the GM because like the GM doesn't they, you know they don't operate on an island by themselves they have people mm -hmm. who are influencing them but you know just kind of like as like a proxy for management of the team I guess you could say um, because you know for example one of the things that I always find interesting is the inefficiency um, in the salary cap system because it's basically the entry level contract for good players they are you know being paid much much less than they are providing especially i mean especially on the high end but even you know even like a pretty good player uh because there's a there's a limit on what they can make um then in the rfa years they don't really have much leverage right um except for i think the last year when they you know for the players that get arbitration rights you know they do have some leverage, but it's it's still not the same. I think the team still has a pretty big, you know, kind of cudgel that they can wield. 
you know, we saw this year with Michael Nylander, or not uh, William Nylander, holding out. But it's still like, you know, he almost didn't sign. You know, they almost called his bluff. Um, you know, actually, Andreas Athanasiu, you know, held out for uh, for uh, at the beginning of last season. And, you know, there was, like, rumors that, oh, like, he's going to go play in the KHL. But, like, it didn't really seem like any of that was, like, really serious. Um, it was probably just, like, a negotiating ploy. I don't think he ever was, like, really actually close to signing in the KHL. And then you have the which so many players do right. I mean, you always hear yeah. about that, like, oh, they're talking to so and so. No, they're not. They don't want to yeah. go there. Right, and it's like I mean, you can. I, I I might be using hyperbole here, which I know is 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 uncalled for in the podcast industry, but um, <laughs> especially especially sports. Um, I I really think you can count on one hand the number of players that went to the KHL and then came back to the NHL. It doesn't happen very often. Um, what like Kovalchuk? Um, yeah, Badjulov, right? I mean, right. I'm yeah, sure there's yeah, others, Badulov. but I mean, it, it doesn't happen very often. Um, Yager, so, right? Yager, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, so it seems like pretty much an empty threat, uh, unless you're a certain type of player. Um, right. I mean, obviously, like, especially in this day and age, like if you're, you know, a player, like you go over there because you can't get an offer, you know, you're gonna be replaced. Like you're not right usually going to be missed that much. I mean, there might be some, I think there's some lost value in players. Like, you know, is it, um, like, you know, just, well, just last year, then mm-hmm. Nick Shore, you know, ended up going over there. And I thought, you know, he's a player that could help a lot of teams and a lot of the numbers, you know, think he's really good, um, at certain aspects of the game. And so there's definitely some lost value in what players do, but yeah, to your point, by and large, I think it's most of the time it's an empty threat. Yeah. And then the, uh, the under underway, by the way, just, yes, curious. we are. Yeah, two to one. Shots are seventeen. Buffalo eleven for Detroit. Um, <laughs> it's always funny because there's been there, there's been so many games this season where like it's getting to the end of the first period. I'm like, we have two shots on goal, <laughs> and then Jeez, most of it. But but yeah, but then most of the time, like it all evens out by the end. You know, by the end of the game, they have like a reasonable number of shots. Uh, it just seems like for some reason they they don't get a lot of shots the first ten minutes of a of a game uh, on average, I guess. But, yeah. you know, then just to finish up, you know, you're talking about the unrestricted free agency years and, you know, that's when you get a lot of overpayments where like, I mean, hype, like I, I kind of, without really looking into it too much, I would, I would bet that a, you know, maybe even the majority of UFAs are, are not providing the value that they're paid. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if it's that many, but it sure seems like a lot. Um, you know, so you have like kind of like an inefficiency at one end, and then the exact opposite inefficiency at the other end. And so I'm interested in looking like what teams are doing this the best, like what teams are navigating these waters the best. Um, you know, they're getting the best value from their ELC, and they're avoiding overpaying on the UFA years, at least compared to the rest of the league, because. You know, like when I did this, uh, you know, like I said, I, I don't even want to call it a model because it was just like a pretty simple equation with, a, with just a few parts. Yeah. Um, a lot of models are simple equations. Sure. And, those, and oftentimes yeah. those are some of the most effective. So, you know, don't 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 trivialize your efforts here, Pete. OK, so according <laughs> to my highly sophisticated, wonderful model, um, <laughs> I, I think it was like one team in the entire NHL wasn't negative. Really? I think it was like I think it was like Winnipeg wow. because of how much value they were getting for ELCs and like you know they're younger players. Sure, yeah. 
But also is interesting because basically I think it said like Connor McDavid is worth like twenty three million dollars or something like that, which I don't think is surprising because I think he probably is. <laughs> That's cool. See, that would be an interesting uh, presentation. Yeah. There we go. All right. Yes. Well, so submit yeah. that. Whatever you end up really submitting, submit that one too, and then we'll see. Okay. Maybe we can do both. Or I don't know. That's an interesting because right now, like we're looking at. Um, for those of you that aren't familiar with RIT, so I, I run it with uh, an RIT professor, Matt Hoffman. He's a great, great dude. And we've actually kind of started having the conversation of, you know, kind of what are we, what are like, you know, some of the, we didn't have any panel talks last year. We just had all present- presenters and right. it was packed. Um, yeah. But uh, we're kind of like talking about ideas for like the structure. Like, do we want to make it two days to kind of space things out a little bit? You know, do some like interactive stuff. Uh, we're talking with actually a data company right now about loaning us some data for like kind of like a hackathon type event. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I, I think that's gonna happen. Um, right. we've, we've had really good conversations about it, like kind of like the uh, big data bowl, like the NFL mm-hmm. just had. Yeah. Um, you know, make data available and then people can have access to it, uh, work on some stuff, and then submit, you know, their findings by a certain point, and then we could kind of, like, you know, invite some folks to kind of present some work. Um, you know, I think that would be pretty cool. And yeah, <clears throat> what else was I going to say? I don't know. Like the same um, season, I've kind of just gone wayward here. Um, <laughs> no, it, it, it sounded like you were talking about, like, possible oh, topics. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. now. Um, so, like, we're talking about, like, you know, ideas and what to do, and, like, maybe we want to bring back a panel or two idea, and I think mm-hmm. one of the interesting things to talk about is how, you know, how do you ensure kind of like you're getting that bang for your buck, the value for contracts, and, um, you know, I, I want to try to find, like, get, like, an analyst, a scout, a coach, you know, even, like, a, you know, maybe you can find, like, a, a player or something and yeah. kind of put them all on a panel and talk, uh, you know, hopefully, like, I know it sounds awful, but, like, you hope they're unemployed at the time because then they can say yeah. much more interesting things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, speaking of that, I do have I do have the contact information for exactly one former NHL player, but I don't know if you'd want to come. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Carcillo. We, we we interviewed him a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, I should. Yeah, I think we follow each other on Twitter. I should totally reach out to him. That's a good idea. Yeah, he he's surprisingly easy to get in touch with. And then um. Well, yeah, he's he's pretty active on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to oh Kelly from uh, from Broad Street Hockey because she does um you know they do a, a feature uh getting to know the the enemy I think or something like that where they oh, you know yeah. they'll they'll talk to like somebody you know I've done it a couple times when we we're playing them um and it's funny cuz like you know they've done uh on their their regular podcast they've they've had I think they've had other players on too you know past players or whatever and um we were talking about how interesting, how how kind of weird it is to like go through my cell phone and be like, oh, there's Craig Cousins' number and there's Scott Cullen's number <laughs> and there's Ken, Ken Daniels' number. It's like, I mean, not that I'm gonna like call these guys or anything, but it's kind of kind of weird when you do podcasts where you have guests like that. How how much information you just build up over time? Sure, sure, yeah. Maybe last that uh, was it the athletic writer Jordan Samuels Thomas. I think he plays uh, with the. Oh geez, what organization did he play? He play? I think he played with the Ducks organization earlier this year. Huh. I don't know. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all right, those are some good ideas. All right, cool. I think yeah, I, I think, think it'll be interesting. The the yeah. RAT uh, uh, schedule right now. 
And and one thing I definitely want to say to people who are listening, because uh, I, I imagine that most most people, if not all, who are listening to this are are at least somewhat analytically minded, you know, or, or at least at least agnostic or whatever. Um, and you know, if, if you're thinking of maybe going to one of these conferences, but you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't, I don't think I know enough or, or whatever. Like you 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 just go because it's. I, you know, I went the last two years and the first year I felt like, oh man, somebody's going to find out I don't belong. You know, <laughs> somebody's going to, somebody, somebody's going to be on to me. Um, and everybody was just so, so nice. And I think, you know, I had mentioned his name before. Uh, we just had him on the podcast for the second time, uh, Scott Cullen. You know, I mean, like yeah. you read him. You know, I've been reading his writing for years and, you know, you see him on Twitter and stuff. And it was like the first year I went, you know, the night before there's like a social event at, at a local bar. And it's like I'm sitting at the end of the table talking to him for like hours, you know, like just me and a couple other people are like at that, that end of the table. And we're having this big, long discussion. And he's like listening to what I'm saying. And he's not, you know, condescending. He's just like a nice guy, you know, and like every single person that I've met there has been really nice and helpful and friendly. And yeah. Yeah. Scott is, Scott is super, super <laughs> nice. He's, he's on Mount Rushmore of, of or oh yeah. Of Mount Rushmore of like nicest, smart dudes. He's yes. awesome. And he's a hell of a hockey player too. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, like, like you don't have to be an expert to go have fun. Like, I, I'm able to follow some of the presentations. Some of the presentations, I'm just like, um, I forget, I forget the guy's name, but the one that does the Markov stuff. Uh, I think it was Gordon, Gordon Arsenoff, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Like, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm with him for like the first few slides, and then my brain just, it's just like, dude, I, I can't do this. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, always, it's just, it's just above my level, yeah, you know, which is fine. There's a couple that are like, wow, I really need to dig into the math or the stats and, um. But you, you get better all the time. Like, I know Micah just, you know, I went out to the Seattle conference to, to give a talk, and and Micah was presenting that day as well. And he talked for an hour on, you know, some new uh, ridge regression model he's got on evaluating, like, goalie and shooter talent. And, you know, I understood, I would say, about 85 90% of it, which is, you know, much better than I used to. Um, yeah. You know, because you learn about these things, and it takes some reading and some time, but... Uh, Ooh, Darlene almost got another one. Hmm. But, um, yeah, we've completely ignored this game at this point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think that's, you know, at the end of the year, I think people just kind of want to, what was the Dowdy's quote the other day? He just wanted to play like all four games in a row to get it over with. <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just thinking that um, if, if people, people listen to the last one of these with Megan and Hannah on, they are going to be incredibly disappointed at my profanity per 60 for this episode um because it's funny like like this is this is how i watch a game like if i go if i go watch the game like and and I, like everybody's different but like i'm not one of those people that's like screaming at the players and all that like i'm just basically watching um so <laughs> actually like like a, a real quick funny story i had um i i had a ticket i had basically two tickets to see the red wings play the devil ooh uh, oh Damn it! Hit the post. <laughs> it, it, just for people listening, I, I do not normally root for the other team to score, but tonight I I really want to lose this game. Yeah, that, uh, that's the other side of it too, is that there's different uh, your allegiances aren't. Oh, there's a nice rush. Oh, yeah. what the hell are you back checking for, guys? Come on, <laughs> let him get a look there. But it's your allegiances are different tonight, so that's yes, could be kind of uh, nulling the uh, yeah. 
immediate reactions to things. It's like, oh wait, I yeah. oh wait, no, wait, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah, so like I had I had two tickets to the game, and I think I think I I, I had originally bought them because I like I knew that my wife couldn't go because normally she would go, but um I was like, oh I'll be able to find somebody to you know to take this other ticket, and the the people that I thought could go couldn't go. And I ended up just like putting it in our comment section, like, "Hey, I got an extra ticket for tonight. If you want to go, just let me know." Um, oh you know, man! And yeah, somebody. Uh, so somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I'll go," and they ended up rooting for New Jersey. <laughs> and they were like the type of player that thinks that, that the players can hear, or the type of fan that thinks that the players can hear them, mm-hmm. and they know all of them personally. Oh, and I was just like, "Dear fucking, oh my god! <laughs> like, come on." See, that's what it took to get profanity out of me here. There we go. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, looks like uh, looks like Detroit's uh, going to be safe in that fourth position thanks to uh, Connor Sherry here tipping Casey Nelson's shot past. A great tip, by the way. Ooh, that's, oh, yeah. That was nice. <clears throat> yeah. And Sherry was, Sher- Sher- was uh, a – I think like so, – I don't know how Sabres fans really feel about him, but that was – so that was his 14th goal this season. I think, you know, he's – you know, like – there's obviously only a handful of like real complete players or play drivers in the league, right? So everybody else, you're basically bringing them on because they do a couple things well, and then a couple things not so well. Yeah. Um, you know, teams love to. It, this is always an interesting thing for for fans, I think, is that teams love to, and especially like media guys and coaches, they love to praise the one-dimensional defensive player, but by and large, like a one-dimensional offensive player just never seems to um, just never seems to hear the end of it, right? Right. I mean, you like if you're not scoring like every other game, which like, you know, nobody does unless you're, right. you know, Crosby, McDavid, I mean, Ovechkin. Ove- Ovechkin, guys, like, you know, yeah. But, you know, like someone like Sherry who, you know, really wasn't playing with, you know, Reinhardt, Eichel, Skinner for a majority of the year. Um, you know, for him to on this team, this offensively challenged team with you know pretty bad offensive game plan too, for him to score 14 goals, that that's pretty good considering all they have. Right. Um, but it's just it's always interesting how, <clears throat> excuse me, you know the the perception of of that player is right. I mean, they're they're he doesn't he won't do a whole lot defensively. He'll give you something offensively. But again, he's still limited. But then you have like Johan Larson or Zemgus Gergensen, like, look how hard he's working. He's he's so great defensively, but they give you nothing going forward. It's like at the end yeah. of the day, they're still only one half of something. You know, it's yeah. Um Yeah, I think his most common let's see, he played mostly with Middlestat, um Rodriguez, Akposo. Oh, he did play he played a handful of minutes with Reinhardt, so um but yeah, only like hundred and forty with Eichel. Where the hell is even Skinner on here? Mm. Oh, no. Well, they play the same <laughs> position, so they're not going to play that together, obviously. Yeah, three minutes with Skinner. So, <laughs> But, um, but so that again, that quality of teammate, you know, uh, you know, good amount of ch- – good chunk of time with Reinhardt, so I stand corrected there, but never really with Eichel. Um, it's, you know, I think that's still an okay season for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, he's no uh, no Chris Russell. Um, certainly not, certainly not. <laughs> but no yeah I mean like like, like you, you definitely have a point especially with like beat writers um obvi- obviously you know the Edmonton beat writers are in, in a league of their own uh pretty much right but um you're like oh Chris Russell you know that's uh 
you know, the, you know, the problem for Edmonton is they don't have more players like Chris Russell. It's like, yeah, that, that, that that's the problem. Um, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but like, like basically one of the one of the fun kind of um things for me this season is trying to figure out how how is McDavid going to get out of Edmonton? Because <laughs> it almost seems like it's inevitable unless something something changes. Like if something doesn't change, eventually he's going to have enough and. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that would be that would be so Edmonton to go down in history as trading both Gretzky and McDavid, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Trading the single greatest players of their their respective generations. I mean, I don't know if you include McDavid in like Crosby's generation. I mean, they're what they came in the league twelve years apart. Yeah, I, I would say they're different because I mean. Uh, you know, even even when people are talking about generational in term, you know, I mean, generational is kind of used obviously a lot more uh, loosely than 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 you know it, it, it's uh, it's denotation, I guess. Right. But, generation um, doesn't mean like best player of the month, like so right. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but but then it's also not going to be, you know, only once in like twenty years, or I, I don't know what you would normally call a generation. I don't know, every um, ten years, maybe. Maybe yeah. I mean, I mean, like, like I, I don't include Crosby and and McDavid in the same quote unquote generation. Like, yeah. I think they're they're think different right. eras. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So McDavid's obviously going to be the best player of his generation, and yeah. Gretzky. You know, may, I don't know. Maybe like here's the other thing too is like, was he? Like, obviously it was a different time. He had all the yeah. scoring records, so he probably was. But it would be so interesting to have like data we have going back to that time and like if we had even more advanced data like you know who who truly was like the most impactful player right like like sure it, it'd be a comparison of like you know kucherov is just lighting the league on fire like yeah but do you want kucherov or would you rather you know be better off with someone like mark stone or like mm. a, you know or in his prime like patrice bergeron right like like which right. one offers more value versus just the the scoring side of things like yeah. i think it's it's a it's a very interesting uh, conversation. I know like Alan, um, you know, loser points on Twitter. I think he's working on something about like, you know, why points are terrible, to, like evaluate people, and um, which is an interesting perspective considering he's a Tampa Bay writer and he's got Kucherov on his team. But, yeah. Um, I think so. That's something. I don't know if it's out yet. I think it might come out mm. next week. But I'm very interested to uh, hear what he has to say. And, oh, geez, who is that? Skinner. <laughs> Oh, know. could that be the last image we see of him? Uh oh. <coughs> I mean, I'm, it's like it's like I, I know something's about to happen. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I I think he's as good as gone. Like, I mean, if you if you yeah. if you make that trade for him, which again was a great trade considering what yeah. you had to give up, but if you're gonna make that move for him and you don't have a deal in place for him ready to sign after the oh, trade yeah. deadline so he can get yeah. the eighth year, then yeah. you, I don't know what you're doing. Like, not seeing to move him. Like, right. he waived his no trade to come to Buffalo. Yeah. Like, of course he would have waived his no trade to go to a really good playoff team, like, to try to win. A, he's never been in the playoffs. Like, it would not yeah. have been a hard sell, I think. Like, hey, well, things haven't gone well here. You don't want to resign. Uh, here's five playoff teams that want you. Like, pick, you know, which ones you want to go to. Like, I don't think he would have put up much of an argument there. Um, yeah. You know, what do you get from him? I don't know. You know, if they can work, if they can talk to him and work out a deal, prob- probably a decent haul. But, yeah. uh, you know, whatever you would have gotten is going to be better than nothing. So, yeah, I think um, I'm trying to remember what were we talking about before that. Who knows? 
Oh yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, like the generational thing, because I oh, think, and yeah. I, I mean, it, it's 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 sad when you think that you know injuries have have kind of robbed us of like real comparisons. Like you know, if, if Mario Lemieux played as many games as Wayne Gretzky, how oh. many how many points does he put up? Right. You know, uh, or you know, even on the goal side, Mike Bossy. You know, if Mike Bossy doesn't get cross checked in the back repeatedly and have to retire early, I mean, he's you know, definitely up there with the the best pure goal scorers of all time. You know, if he could have played a full career, how many goals does he score? Um, it's yeah, but 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 then again, I mean, obviously you have the the adjustment for era, right? Of course. You know, like like if 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 you could take McDavid and put him back in time when Gretzky played, does he score more? You know, I mean, because he because obviously Gretzky had amazing skill, but he he wasn't like fast. You know, right. he wasn't like a speed demon. So if you take the amazing skill and also add game breaking speed how, like you know back then it would have been even more impressive like you know i think it would be even more advantageous right. um yeah i mean like like you know look at like pavel bure when he came into the league um i mean obviously he was he was very good but he was also just ridiculously fast and that really helped him his first year <laughs> um, that's true yeah yeah all right pizza so, hey let's start to wind this down uh on the yeah. season here. Congratulations on securing fourth. Um, oh, hey, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it. There's, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of wood around me. I am knocking on it uh, profusely. Get those, yeah. the, get those extra lottery odds here. Um, so we're, Buffalo can probably finish anywhere from what? So they'll be 76 tied with the Rangers. I'd have to look at the tiebreakers. I never keep track of that shit, like what the tiebreaking scenarios are. I think it's yeah, regula- I mean, I think it's, it's regulation yeah. ones first, right? I believe so. Yeah, like that ROW stat is like yeah. the first tiebreak. And the Sabres will be pretty low on that, so so they should be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully it's so. So 4-1 to one now. This game's likely over. Um, Pete, anything you want to share that you're, you know, working on? Obviously, you're probably going to have, like, what, an end-of-season power play piece, I assume? Yeah, I, I've been waiting for um, – because – I, I, I wasn't able to do the last weekly one, which would have been this past Wednesday, because like I said, I was sick. Um, I, I definitely did not have the time, unfortunately, to go back and, and do all the stuff I need to do to, to do that. So, um, you know, s- since the season's ending today, I'm hoping maybe in the next week or so to have like a like a wrap up article. Uh, I've already 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 worked on some things. I showed you the uh, the animations I have for mm-hmm. uh yeah, cool. you know, the season stuff, which I think is, is, is definitely pretty cool. Um, and uh, you know, JJ gave the great great suggestion to add the uh, you know the heart rate monitor flatline sound because uh, you can see uh, you know Detroit kind of goes near the bottom and then pretty much stays there for most of the season. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, th- th- yeah, that should be coming soon. Um, obviously, you know, I'll, I'm sure I'll be working on some stuff in the off season, uh, especially I I, I coach tennis at the high school I teach at so that season goes on for another month or so which takes up a lot of my time so sure. you know in about a month I'll have have more time to be doing stuff um but yeah all right then all right then well hey Pete thanks for uh taking the time to wrap up part of the season with me uh and um we'll keep an eye out you know we'll probably announce more details on RIT and everything in the uh coming weeks but uh, looking forward to you know seeing what you you come up with for uh, for your for a talk, man. 
It'll be great to, too. to have you come out there again and uh, this time stand alone in the uh, front of the room and and nervously get through a presentation like the rest of us. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it, like as as a high school teacher, standing in front of judgmental people is something I do for a living. So <laughs> that's true. I think, that's true. I'll say actually, I, just, I was, just got another yeah, one. Yeah. Five one. Yeah. I'm saying I think the. Uh, um, the 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 conference goers are probably going to be less judgmental than a room full of teenagers. So this is very uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. So all right, man. Well, hey, thanks for the time again, uh, everyone. Uh, Pete, uh, what, what's your handle, everybody? Oh, on Twitter it's just at pflynnhockey. So p f l y n n and then hockey. There we go. There we go. Yep. All right, buddy. Hey, have a good night. Oh, you too. <laughs>